If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. All right. Welcome, Dr. Maggie Smith. Thank you so much for being here with us. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Yes, more than welcome. And I just want all the listeners to know that Maggie is not only a brilliant nurse leader, she is also my friend and my mentor. (laughs) So just want to put that out there. (laughs) Um, So Maggie, let's start off by you telling us a little bit about your career journey um, into nursing. Um, first and foremost, um, my career actually started or interest in nursing started at a very, very young age. I probably was like seven or eight where, um, I shared with my dad that I wanted to become something completely different, which was an accountant. And he just really steered me towards the nursing profession because I guess I just was so nurturing to him. Um, but needless to say, he is, is my inspiration for becoming a a nurse. And um, I actually wanted to go into oncology because at a very young age, I had an aunt that was diagnosed with breast cancer. And just to see her, you know, trajectory from diagnosis to succumbing to her disease was very interesting to me. So um, that was where I started my my career in uh, bone marrow transplant, which was very fast paced and very challenging. But it was something that I was definitely up for the challenge. And, and um, that's where I landed at the University of Chicago Hospitals is where I actually got my career started in oncology. And um, just have been here like ever since. Every role I've had had something to do with oncology. And I started my career in like 2001. So very young, but needless to say, oncology is my passion. That's my Part. So been in a variety of different roles from there, um, leadership. Um, <clears throat> as a new grad, within six months, I became the charge nurse of the bone marrow transplant unit, which was a task that was like very daunting. And <laughs> I had a lot of senior nurses who were a lot older than me and who were, you know, telling me, make sure you're up for the challenge, make sure you know what to do. And I had great mentors along the way. and. Um, from there, actually got introduced to the world of research because on the bone marrow transplant unit, you had a lot of patients who were on clinical trials. And I wanted to just learn more about what clinical trials in, in, entailed. So 
one of the research nurses on the heme, uh, hematology side uh, had informed me that she thought I would make a really good research nurse and that there were openings at the uh, institution. And I applied and I was hired and I was there for a few years, uh, you know, working in phase one clinical trials, GI, mesothelioma, um, et cetera. And when you are in research, as you know, you meet a lot of people from the pharmaceutical industry. And that's where I started to learn more about what a lot of people refer to as the dark side, <laughs> which, um, you know, again, something that sparked my interest. And around 2003, 2004 is where I made my transition to the dark side in the pharmaceutical industry. And that is where I've been ever since, but still maintaining touch points in terms of having that clinical aspect, making sure I make my footprint with patient engagement um, there and teaching and giving back. And, and that's where, I, I mean, that's my, as I said, my passion, working with people and individuals and helping them to, to be able to grow and find where they would like to be in terms of their career as well. No, that's great. And did you enter nursing with an associate's degree, bachelor's degree? No, I went straight in for my um, baccalaureate degree and um, just kind of set a plan for myself as I graduated that I knew I wanted to obtain my master's. And I knew at some point um, in the future, I would attain my my, um, terminal degree with a, a doctoral degree. And what was your motivation for obtaining a doctoral degree in nursing? Um, I would definitely have to say my dad had more of a hand in that, but my son was a big inspiration um, for me continuing with my education. There were points that I wanted to certainly give up because there were challenges that came along, but Challenges are what, you know, test you to make you stronger to see how well you will do in the future. So my son was a really big motivational factor in terms of me continuing with my education. No, that's awesome. It's good to have inspiration to move you forward when you feel stuck or you start feeling discouraged. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And since you have your uh, doctorate degree, how has that changed um, your influence in the profession? You know, um, I've always been an advocate for encouraging nurses to go back or anyone in the healthcare profession, whether they are a CNA, a medical assistant, trying to just see what different areas of interest that they have. And I encourage them to go back, continue with their education because it's so important. Um, My doctorate has opened up many doors for me in terms of leadership opportunities. It's also not that it was a requirement for any job that I have had um, throughout my career, thank God, um, my experience and leadership actually was a big part in in terms of that. But where I obtained my degree certainly opened up a different um, network of connections, if you will. So being um, alumni of this university that I graduated from actually opened up opportunities for me to come in and to also be an adjunct professor because I, had connections from my, you know, graduate um, education where they knew the level of education, the type of uh, education that I received. So they knew that I was qualified for the opportunity to be able to, to lead a group of uh, nursing students in an accelerated program. Yeah, no, that's awesome. A lot of opportunities do open when you have a higher level of education and people look to look at you differently and respond to you differently. And, 
you know, they just see you in a different light. So I think, you know, higher education is always um, a good step in the right direction. I agree. Uh, one question I have for you is um, how did, uh, you said network for the university where you got your degree. Uh, were there any other affiliations or associations you were a part of, any organizations that you were a part of that really kind of helped propel you to uh, gain more networks and more connections in the field? Yeah, I would have to say one of the um, organizations that I belong to as an oncology nurse is the Oncology Nursing Society. But after credit, my local chapter, my Chicago chapter for giving me the foundation um, and you know, there I, I encountered so many mentors that pushed me beyond um, levels that I didn't know that I could actually be stretched to go to. Um, and they encouraged me to even run for like the national position. And um, I was elected by my peers to, to lead over 39,000 oncology nurses. So um, those type of connections that you have from belonging to those organizations, you just never know who you will encounter and the doors of opportunities that will open for you. Um, I also belong to another organization, the National Black Nurses Association, where I've also encountered a lot of different um, nurse leaders um, that look like me, that support me to um, achieve new heights and things that they've accomplished where they share those opportunities with me and would love to give me that exposure that they have had along their career. Yeah, no, awesome. Now I want to kind of back up and tell us a story or journey of transitioning from bedside to corporate uh, leadership. And I know you kind of alluded to that, but can you give us some more insight on how did you make that decision? I know for me personally, it was a really tough decision to transition from bedside from the clinical setting to pharmaceuticals specifically? Yeah, it was tough for me too, because one of the things that I always feared, um, you know, as a younger mom who had a young child at home was travel. So really quickly, um, I, you know, that caused me to sacrifice missing some important um, events that my son had, but I did have a good support system with his dad being there, et cetera, to, to help me you know, be able to still be there to support my son. But that transition, it was very easy, believe it or not, because I've always knew how to work independently. So even though I was in research and I knew I had to get up every day to come to the uh, the workplace, I, I've always had that discipline. So transition from, you know, coming to one specific place every day to sometimes working at home in my pajamas, like that was like a no brainer to, to me. Um, but then also being ready and prepared to get up to, to travel. So I had so much autonomy where I was in charge of my schedule. I first, my first outside of the clinic um, opportunity came as a clinical research associate, also known as a research monitor for oncology clinical trials. The only awkward thing for me was that I had to come back to the institution that I worked at to audit their research, right? So that was the only, you know, funny thing or awkward moment that I had. But making that transition was really, really easy and, and seamless. Um, being in charge of my schedule, making sure that when I needed to be home, if I could be home, that I was here um, for certain things. And then, as I said, there were certain times that I, I couldn't be there. But as I continued to kind of 
you know, be exposed to different opportunities in the pharmaceutical setting, it came with more autonomy, more leadership, more opportunities where I, I was able to gain a better sense in, uh, of my schedule and having that work-life balance. I did struggle with that a little bit because, you know, initially that work-life balance, you want to make sure that you show that you are working from home. So it's different. You don't get to see, you got to see a supervisor or leadership every day. But when you're working from home, just trying to, you know, be glued to the computer more was what I initially thought I, I needed to do. But no, not not necessarily. That came with experience having more work-life balance. No, that, that's, that's definitely key because I had a hard time transitioning from <laughs> being in the clinic to being home, being in charge of your schedule. So it definitely is a transition once you're actually in the position. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit to us about career development in a pharmaceutical because you went from a research associate to now you're like a national leader running a whole team of individuals. Yeah. <laughs> Just ex- experience. I mean, I've, I've did consulting along the way for the pharmaceutical industry. I've led a team of nurse educators um, throughout my, my career. And the one opportunity that really gave me a solid foundation um, was my time that I spent with Johnson and Johnson. And with that that company, I was able to network and meet a lot of great people that were mentors to me along the way. I mean, you say that I'm your mentor. I I see you too as a mentor to me to inspire me to keep going, keep going um, and to, to challenge myself. So it was, um, you know, that that time there opened up the door to so many different people, so many different opportunities and um, having great leadership also was, was phenomenal. And that is what encouraged me to, to stay there and become a bit complacent um, in terms of, of my career. Um, but I knew it, it would be time for me to spread my wings, to, to take a step out. And that's what I needed to do in order to, to grow and get out of my comfort zone. So now I work for a smaller company where I lead a, um, the, a North American team of medical science liaisons covering uh, rare disease and, and oncology. And it's the opportunity to learn, uh, you know, the different things that occur in that country. It's more of a global um, networking and aspects because of that. My, my leadership, I also sit on a lot of different work streams with my Japanese colleagues, my EMA colleagues, my Asia Pacific colleagues, my Australian colleagues as well, sharing like best practices that we do here in the States and just sharing my knowledge that I've obtained over the years with them in, in terms of how uh, a good MSL should actually practice and how we should be as a global company in oncology. And how has your nursing uh, background and experience, how is it helping you now, even in your current position? Yeah, it gives me a lot of focus in terms of just remembering, like one of the, the acronyms I always remember is API, right? Assessment, planning, implementation, evaluation. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I apply that to every single situation. I mean, it helps me to be strategic in terms of my outlook on things and decisions that I make. Um, I always, you know, bring bring that that acronym with me as I encounter any situation. But 
also believe in being fair to every in individual because everyone's entitled to their, their opinions, right? So those opinions need to be respected. They need to be heard, whether I agree or disagree. But um, having that, that nursing background always allows me to be able to, you know, bring that caring side and be diverse and inclusive in terms of my thinking and who has a seat at the table, ensuring that all stakeholders that need to be involved are actually there before we move forward and, and making a, a decision in regards to whatever the decision pertains to. Yeah, no, that, that, that's very interesting that that's, you learned that early on in nursing school, right? <laughs> But it's, it's, it's stuck with me. Like, okay, it helps me to maintain a strategic outlook on whatever the situation is. Like, assess it, let's plan, let's talk about it, what needs to be implemented, like, evaluate what do we do? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? So, yeah, that's something that just, you know, I, it, it resonates very closely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a good, a good tool to have in your toolbox. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. No, I was just saying that's part of my algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you and I had an opportunity to work together and talking about, you know, nurses in non-traditional roles. We did a, a study, um, a pilot of 29 nurses looking at that. Uh, you want to talk to them a little bit about that research and what we kind of found there? Yeah, that research was very eye-opening. I remember when we had the opportunity to present that, um, one, we did it in two different formats. So the first one was a poster presentation that you presented at the Oncology Nursing Society. And the feedback was very positive, but that was more just inclusive of any nurse within our local chapters that, you know, provided that feedback. And it was eye-opening to, to see like how many nurses had non-traditional roles, what those non-traditional roles were, and you know, nurses were interested, like, how do you make that transition? You know, so many nurses still only have the mindset that they can only work in a hospital or a clinic setting. And I think our research was very eye-opening as evidenced by when we presented the data at the National Black Nurses Association, where we had a packed house and, and people were waiting and they, they had questions. That is where we got more specific in terms of, you know, minority nurses that were in those non-traditional roles and how they felt supported. But the questions that were asked in regards to how do you make this transition and, and some of the questions in regards to security, having that as a concern, like if you're working for a pharmaceutical company, we hear about so many acquisitions of pharmaceutical companies. So at that point in time, we had to educate them and let them know, like, Regardless of what company you work for, there's always a risk that you, you know, your company can be acquired by another hospital, clinic, or whatever the case may be. It's just what risk you're willing to take. As a nurse, we have very essential skills that we can bring to any job, any, any career. Um, um, and it's not just the bedside. So I love to educate nurses on how we made that, 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 that transition from bedside to leadership to the pharmaceutical industry or whatever, because so many nurses don't know um, that this is actually possible. It's something that I think, you know, even, you know, in academia, they need to talk about it. I think in academia, you only get like that clinical exposure. You don't get exposure to someone in the pharmaceutical industry or sure. someone, you know, who owns their own business. So there's so many opportunities out there for nurses. And what I thought was interesting from that research were the three reasons why uh, nurses really leave the bedside. 
and transition to non-traditional roles. So the first one was lack of professional development opportunities, yep. lack of support from management and organizational issues. Yeah. And this was before COVID. Now with COVID, new research shows that nurses still feel unsupported. And a lot of nurses are transitioning from bedside going into you know, different professions or just leaving the profession altogether. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about that, about uh, just the pandemic, nurses kind of leaving the bedside, um, you know, doing non-clinical jobs? What are your thoughts around that? It's, it's tough um, because part of me, um, I know that we need nurses to, to be able to take care of patients. And I want, you know, if something happens to me or my family members, my close friends, I, we need a nurse there um, because they are the, at the forefront of, of, of medicine, right, uh, of delivering that patient care. But I think it starts from the top in terms of the leadership, the, the foundation, the model that's being created. And one thing about nurse leaders, they need to be transformational and, and show their nurses that they have support. Um, and when I say that, that is if you see that your nurse is working shorthanded or he or she may be stressed, there's nothing wrong with you lending a helping hand. I mean, for me, even though I'm in a leadership role, if I'm out attending a conference with my team, when we were able to do that, I can sense that my team is being stressed. And I'm not too good to you know, say, hey, don't worry about it. Like, go get some rest. I will cover your abstract. I'll cover your poster. I'll go sit and listen to this presentation and I'll take the notes for you. That's one thing that we have to remember as nurses, regardless of your title or, you know, wherever you are, just remember how you started and remember that you wanted to feel supported as you became a new nurse. You, you wanted to see leadership lend a helping hand. You knew when there were times that you were burned out that you may need to cover for your, your peer. As a leader, you should do the same thing, especially when you are leading a group of people. Um, and not, it's not a do as I tell you to do is let's do this together. Let's see how we can accomplish this together. You know, one thing I find in healthcare institutions, a lot of them is a lot of nurse leaders don't have leadership training. Yeah. Many times they just, they're next for the job, or we think you'll be a good nurse manager, right? What can we do as a profession to make sure that nurses in leadership positions and healthcare institutions specifically are adequately trained? I don't think there's a blueprint, really. <laughs> um, the way that I, I look at this, I mean, you know, it, it could be, could be only because I say that because some people just are not good at leading people and, you know, and how they got those positions or titles, like I, I would never know. But I think as an individual, having been on both sides of the coin and still am, because I'm not the CEO, I'm not the boss of my organization. I still have someone that I report to. I've seen over the years, a manager and a leader. Taking those two together, even though I've seen what a manager is, I mean, some of those managers have had some good qualities, although the good qualities may not outweigh the bad qualities. Pick up on that. And then I see what a good leader is. And that's kind of how I absorb that and make that my own. So having that um, helps you to be able to be the best leader that, that you can be. There are so many different training programs, et cetera, on leadership. I still take 
uh, additional um, like continuing education in terms of LinkedIn, professional development, et cetera, how to be strategic, how to handle difficult situations. Everyone should still be able to take those types of courses to be able to learn along the way and pick up those necessary pearls to, to be able to lead people and organizations successfully. But at the end of the day, not everyone's cut out to be a good leader. No, absolutely. And I think to add to that is mentorship. I think you definitely need mentorship. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. Having a mentor is essential. Someone that can really see the, the picture in the frame, so to speak. Because sometimes yeah. you're in the frame and you, you can't really figure out what's going on. But to have that person um, really point out some things and guide you and direct you is very helpful. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes people look at someone on the outside looking in as a bad situation, but sometimes you do need that outside lens to help you put things into perspective, right? So it's nothing like having that type of perspective so that you can have a a full view of how things are are being played out. and, and, And that's the neutral party, right? That helps you to be in alignment with where you should be moving forward. Yes, no, absolutely. And you said something a little while ago that I wanted to kind of just highlight. You said that you are a corporate leader, but you also, you're still clinical. Yeah. Why is that important to you? Me personally, I just feel that a nurse is where I started my career. And I always need to have that touch point with patient, um, with patients in general, because um, it, it helps me to stay relevant for what's happening in my field of expertise. And it keeps me grounded um, because even though I'm in a corporate leadership position, I know what it's like to be the nurse at the forefront giving care. I know what it's like to be a family member, you know, supporting a fa- supporting someone who has a chronic diagnosis. I know what it's like to, to have, you know, so much information thrown at you where you just need someone who has some type of clinical understanding or background to be able to help you process and, and get through it and navigate through the hospital system or the clinic system um, so you can get the, the right answers to make an informed decision. So you just have to be well-rounded. That's the way that I've always, you know, approached my, my life, my career. And um, that's something that I feel that's important to me. While others may not feel that having that footprint or that connection I am very appreciative of the relationships that I formed and the clinical appointment that I keep because it was something that was created for me um, because I enjoy patient care. And I'm just, you know, happy to be able to, to go back when I do have the time to do it. I love it. Love it. No, I, I totally agree. There's nothing like patient care. Nothing can ever take the place of that. So before we wrap up and get to our rapid fire, do you have any last words for our listeners who may be even thinking about non-traditional roles in nursing? <laughs> so the, the one piece of advice that I'll have to give to any nurse, regardless of your role, whether, whether it's traditional or non-traditional, is never become complacent. Always challenge yourself. Always learn. Um, Even though you may feel that you don't have the bandwidth to go that extra mile, give it a try because you never know what opportunity awaits you behind that unopened door that you're trying to keep closed for that that opportunity. So just stretch yourself a little bit whenever you have the time. 
Um, always try to give back to the communities in which you serve, which I, I feel is so important in any way that, that you can. And just never stop learning. Continue to learn, continue to grow, and um, always put yourself in the shoes of others, especially when you're making a decision that impacts someone else's life. Awesome. Well, that is a great note to end this on. <laughs> <laughs> and do you mind if I take you through a quick rapid fire? Go right ahead. Awesome. So finish these sentences or answer these questions with the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Wellness means? Uh, Work-life balance. I know I'm stressed when? I have a headache. (laughs) (laughs) My go-to stress management solution is? To take a deep breath, relax, and talk to my husband. Awesome. The last time I had a belly laugh was? Um, Probably this morning. (laughs) you mind sharing more? My husband is very silly. So <laughs> Sundays is usually our day just to kind of chill out and relax. And he's just a silly guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What have you learned about yourself during this pandemic? Mm-hmm. To focus on the things that are really important, which are family more, and to take time to pace myself. Awesome. And what's one thing that people get wrong about you? That sometimes some people feel though I'm unapproachable and I can't believe that. I don't know why. It's like, ask me anything. Like, I am not a title person. I guess because they see like the title, then, you know, I am not a title person. Whatever, you know, uh, alphabets I have behind my name, it does not make me God. And um, I am a very approachable person and always willing to help. No, awesome. You are very approachable, very personable. Thank you. (laughs) Now, where do you see our profession in three years and what should we do now to prepare nurses? Oh my gosh. Uh, I think this pandemic has shown us that even in traditional roles, that you don't always need to go into an office to be able to manage and deliver effective patient care. So I think This has taught us that more utilization of telehealth medicine um, is here and it's here to stay. Um, So to especially minimize the risk of patients who are already immunocompromised, et cetera, or who are high risk, um, that there's a different way that we need to look at how to manage care. One of the things that I was charged on the ONS board during my time was to see how we can incorporate more nurses going into patients' home to deliver chemotherapy, to keep them comfortable so that they can feel safe. And that was a way to also, in my mind, as I mentioned, to address health disparities that, that we see, um, especially in minority populations. So I'm really thinking that this will come more to the forefront in terms of how we can continue to address that. The other thing um, that I see in the next three years related to this pandemic specifically is how we will continue to deal with patients who are suffering from some of the chronic diseases or conditions from COVID-19, so from from the virus. So how we need to develop some of those survivorship care plans to address their needs and what resources and support they will need along the way. Um, So just more of the non-traditional roles, how things will now uh, try to go back to what we once knew as the the normal, what the new normal will actually look like for for everyone, Um, even me, us in in the pharmaceutical setting. Like, what does that look like for us? Because I see there's definitely going to be a change. 
Yeah, it's such an opportunity for us to be innovative. So if anyone like if you have ideas, this is a great time to implement them and really yeah. test them out, see if you can really change, you know, standard of practice in your institutions. So, yeah. And our last question is, what are you grateful for? Um, every day that I get the chance to wake up to see another day, because I realized that was someone who went to bed, who had plans for it the next day and, you know, is after. So every day that I'm, I'm able to get up and, and, and have another day to do what I enjoy, to see my family, to connect with my friends, to do an interview with Wendy. Um, that's what I'm really thankful for. True, genuine, um, lifelong relationships and connections. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Smith. We have to bring you back to talk about health disparities because that's another <laughs> hot topic that I, I want to talk about. So thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. More than welcome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a seven-day mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.